I remember as a kid turning on the TV and being heartbroken at the announcement, today's regularly scheduled programming has been preempted so that we might bring you the Watergate trials. I have little recollection of how long they actually lasted, but in my mind as a little kid, they went on forever like Pledge Week on public radio. I just remember complaining to my parents and going, again? How long is this going to go on? For those of you who don't remember who Charles Colson is, he was once known as President Nixon's hatchet man. He gained notoriety at the height of the Watergate scandal for being named uh, one of the Watergate Seven and pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice. In 1974, he served seven months in, in the federal uh, Maxwell prison in Alabama. And later on, he stated this, I know that the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put into prison. They would not have endured that if that was not true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. I'm inclined to agree with him. And then ask yourself, what would you be willing to endure for some perceived benefit to yourself or to your family? Like Mr. Colson, would you be willing to risk jail a ruined reputation, respect, money, power, for the mere possibility of gaining more money and power and more respect. It's one thing to risk everything, or at least a lot of it, to gain a greater good. But what if risking everything could never mean that? What if you were asked to risk everything and the only thing promised you at the best of circumstances would be jail, poverty, flogging, public denunciations, banishment, being an outsider, and for all but one of these guys back here, execution. Does that sound like something worth sacrificing for? Yet that's what these guys did, these disciples. One has to thoroughly believe in something, to risk so much for a promise of not much earthly good in return. I remember uh, shortly after I was ordained, some priest friends and I went to Cancun for vacation. And when we got to our hotel, the, the room wasn't ready yet, and they invited us to wait in the lounge and they would come get us when our room was ready. And there was a beautiful lady in there, blonde hair, long blonde hair, sitting at the bar, obviously already three sheets to the wind, and it was barely noon. And she kept trying to start up a conversation with us. And at this point, we're not in our clerics. It's very, very hot. We're in shorts and in sports shirts. And she kept asking us all these probing questions. And finally, the question came up that we were waiting for. 
So, what do you boys do for a living? And one of my classmates said, why, we're Roman Catholic priests. And she thought about it for a moment and kind of leaned over on the bar and looked at us with her head tilted and said in much coarser language than I'm about to share with you, you're the boys who can't be with a woman. And my classmate said, oh, but we can. We choose not to. There are eight men about to be ordained for the Diocese of Cleveland to the priesthood. And what is promised them? You will be celibate. You will live a simple lifestyle. You will live where you are needed, not where you want to be. You will minister to where you are assigned. You will live with whom is assigned with you. You will dress a certain way and you will promise obedience to your ordinary, but at least there'll be some free pizza along the way. What a way to sell the priesthood. Who would do such a thing? Only a person who was thoroughly convinced that Jesus Christ is our savior and that he was resurrected from the dead and that we receive him body and blood, soul and divinity at every mass. That is what brought St. Thomas around. He doubted. You know what? And our belief is enhanced because of his doubt. His skepticism is a gift to us. All the brouhaha around him could not convince him that Jesus had risen from the grave. But when he had a personal encounter with Christ, all his doubt was wiped away to the point where he was willing to risk his life to proclaim the resurrection of the Lord and so that we would believe that Jesus resurrected in Akron in the year 2017. Now who among us is perfect enough to join in the spreading of the good news in the greater Akron area? I'll tell you, not one of us who is worthy to be a priest. None of us, not even me. But perfection is not what God is looking for. The 12 apostles were not perfect. There was a humor, humorous publication that came out a long time ago a company that was recommending the 12 apostles to a company went like this. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to fits of temper. Andrew has no qualities of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, place personal interests above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrate a questioning attitude that might undermine morale. We feel that it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus definitely have radical leanings, and they both registered high on a manic depressive scale. On a more serious note, St. Paul was a murderer. The 12 disciples, apostles, were average people. They were not chosen from among the religious elite or the rich. In fact, were even despised by society. They were not educated and had no influence over important people. What made them worthy to be entrusted with the message of salvation of all was God's divine mercy. It is his mercy that allows us to be here today that allows us to receive him body and blood, soul and divinity, that allows me to be a priest, 
that calls you to be his disciples with a mission to the world. It was his mercy that allowed Charles Colson of Watergate to go on to start prison ministry, to become a Christian leader and even advocate for Christians in the political realm. Remember, he chose you. You did not choose him, he chose you. No matter your past or your situation, he can and will use you if you trust his divine mercy. You may not be able to do exactly what you want, but he will use you for his mission. Remember that, remember his mercy and his love for you. And I can't promise you anything great in this world if you are a great disciple, but you are promised everything in the next because of his divine mercy. And following the mass today, after a couple of minutes, uh, for those of you who wish to stay, I'll be leading the Divine Mercy Chaplet on this Divine Mercy Sunday.